Listener Production. Flex Mommy came into my life during the depth of Melbourne's second lockdown. And she arrived not a minute too late. Her beautifully styled neon Instagram page, her passionate conversations about identity and intersectionality, her sex and body positivity, plus a bunch of clothes I need in my wardrobe stat. Flex made the dreary darkness of lockdown a bit brighter. You can access the Earth's core through Antarctica. That's why they speculate Antarctica is so sealed away from the public, not because it's a heritage-listed world wonder or whatever, because they're trying to conceal the gate to the hollow Earth. But I just got my information on TikTok, so... (laughs) Flex, whose name is actually Lillian Ahenken, is a 26-year-old DJ, MTV host, podcaster, influencer social commentator, author and soon-to-be resident of the Big Brother house. Lillian, you've lived your life online. That's about to change. Big Brother needs to buckle up. I'm not subtle. Lillian, nothing is ever as it seems in my house. It's going to be so juicy. Her energy is out of this world. She's got no time for bullshit and she isn't shy about setting boundaries. I'm not subtle. Anyone else? Go, 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 go. They better watch out. Later on, we'll get to the weekend list where we tell you what to read, watch, listen, do, eat and try out with Tate McGregor. But first, here is my chat with the incomparably glorious Lillian Ahenken. Lillian, better known to most of the listeners as Flex Mommy, welcome to the weekend briefing. Now, mate, let me take you back, not very long, because I'm clearly a very youthful person, but let me take (laughs) you back to when I was 15. That was about the time reality TV started being a thing, and I became super voyeuristic. I became super obsessed with watching The Big Brother House in its first season. My sister and I watched it religiously. I wanted to ask what you think about the appeal of shows like that. Why do we all like watching other human beings interact and being all sort of snoopy? And why would anyone want to go on a show like that? I think it's a very subconscious need to want to be in the sci-fi reality that has been projected to us for a thousand million years. I mean, it's so futuristic and so all-seeing eye-esque to have access to people in a way you would never have before. And I think also most people are acutely aware of the fact that when you're interacting with any person um, in any environment, there's an element of secrecy, there's an element of a wall being put up and you're only allowed to be exposed to what they want to show you, what they want to say to you in that exact moment. You don't usually catch people in their off moments when nobody's watching and those are the moments that we so desperately want to see from people and so I think it hits this internal challenge of you know what is it to actually be watched what is it to have um, my environment actually controlled by an entity I know nothing about Um, and what is it to give up that control and am I still the same person in those environments am I still as strong as I think I am am I still as confident as I think I am Um, and that kind of learning is interesting for the person and also the people who get to watch that character development in action. Yeah, it's so much about control, right? Because when Mm -hmm. I think about social media where you are so prolific, it is a situation where the person who is creating and putting out the content has a high degree of control, right? You're deciding what the public sees. But a situation like reality TV or really like just life, 
You're not in control. We're not in control of our own narratives in the same way. So I wanted to ask you, you have an elaborate resume. You wear about a thousand terribly fabulous hats. How do you describe yourself to other people and how does that differ, do you think, from how they describe you? Oh, this is such a good question. I usually rant about how no shade to to people who interview me, but the questions are just dull. So this is exciting. (laughs) Um, I try not to introduce myself um, with all of my titles because there is no way that can sound uh, there's no way that can not sound really obnoxious and really um, self-obsessed. And so um, I just take context clues on what I think the person might recognize mm. me from or what's appropriate for their age or demographic. So if I'm speaking to a someone who's parent aged and, you know, I'm 27, so whatever parent aged is for you, I'm and I'll say, age. okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with, um, I'll just go with, uh, TV presenter because that is it can be understood really clearly yeah. and there's a there's a way we can discuss that without alienating the person I'm speaking to if I'm speaking to someone closer to my age, I'll probably just say, you know, I am an influencer and I run a business and then I'll, you know, give out clues in that sense. But I probably don't say the whole um, resume unless I'm in environments like this. I think that most people don't describe what I do very well because they haven't really taken the time to conceptualize how it is I do all these things. So I think most people will just be like, oh my God, she, she does so many things. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, what? Oh, you know, like she's just everywhere. That is, that is the title. She's just everywhere, which is fine to me because I'm happy for, for that to be the going narrative. But I think what gets frustrating is that the next tier is, um, I think she like, she's an influencer, but you'd love her. She does other stuff, which is awesome. And I don't mind being called an influencer like some other people, but I also think to myself, gosh, there's a whole resume that gives me permission to even be an influencer. That is the context people actually need. Um, And it's almost as though as the connotation of influencer begins to sour, then I'm kind of like everyone, remember, business owner, entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. podcaster. The influence comes from somewhere. It comes from somewhere. (laughs) You talk from a place of really impressive self-belief. And I think Australian culture has this sense more generally that having a self-belief or having confidence, particularly for women, just means you're up yourself, right? Rather than respecting it as a valid sense of, I suppose, self-affirmation. Can you tell me about a time when that wasn't the case or have you always had that? I haven't always had it, but it hasn't always been challenged. I think it's only up until I got into this kind of public figure arena where people wanted me to justify why I like myself. I, was mm. like, I, I thought we all did. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, yeah. I got asked so many questions about my process. It's just I thought we were all on the same page. And so I definitely think I had a level of insecurity when I was not doing this. So pre, I'd say like... 19 and younger but also I chalk that up to everybody feeling really kind of insecure I would say that my mum did raise me with a very inflated sense of self and she empowered me a lot even in environments where I feel like she was lying she definitely was not lying I'm very special (laughs) um but as I grow older I just come across um, do you know what I think it is I think 
and I don't know if most people do this, but I live my life in two distinct realities. The one in my head where I am the main character, top of the food chain, you know, the sun rises and sets because I want it to, wind moves because I want it to. And then the actual reality where I'm not, I don't have that much control. And the balance of two kind of keeps me at this happy medium where I can recognize that I'm allowed to like myself, I'm allowed to be confident and I'm allowed to kind of change my reality in small ways. I don't think that I do or say anything that's particularly exceptional, but I think that it's in contrast to everybody who's so scared and who's waiting for permission to be better. It's like, it's not coming, babe. Like the time you spend waiting for someone to validate you for being completely reasonable and normal is not coming. So you need to kind of figure it out in yourself or surround yourself by people who will do it for you. One of them is more sustainable than the other. a lot of us spend our lives like we live our lives waiting for the day we are better at something right like you you live waiting for life will be better when I'm thinner life will be better when I have the right partner life will be better when I finish my degree life will be better than when I whatever the hell it is and the idea of actually being able to (laughs) accept yourself in the moment feels somehow hallmark card and somehow absolutely amazing and something I don't think I'm capable of and (laughs) This is going to take me a moment to build up to, but I promise I'm getting back to you. I was watching back clips oh, whatever. online yesterday from America's Next Top mm. Model, which was an absolutely massive reality TV show maybe 10-odd years ago. And so much of that content feels wildly offensive and problematic <laughs> to me now. In a, in a way, it simply wasn't at the time. And so I wanted to ask, by being yourself so publicly now, do you ever worry that there's going to be a bunch of bitches like me judging you in the future? (laughs) There are a bunch of bitches like you judging me now. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what it is, right? I think there have been distinct social changes between now and 10 years ago. Mm. Ones that most of us could not have avoided, even if we wanted to, because there are a ton of people enforcing those imaginary rules and we have to follow suit. I don't necessarily worry about the retrospective cancelling because I would just be one of the many who are going to be going through this. I'm always hyper aware of the reasons why people are being cancelled and not just allowing people to be fighting for retribution just because they've done something bad subjectively to an individual person. But I also find that the tables are shifting and people need far more reasonable reasons to cancel someone. It's just not, you can't villainize someone for self-growth. It's just lazy. And it affirms that there's this need for power in society that I didn't recognize before. And it's like this classic people who are bullied become bullies mentality. The way this cancel culture thing is manifesting, there's an element of it that is really powerful and I only can see it working well when it comes to the activism and human rights space. For everybody else, it is so obvious that they want to know what it feels like to be wielding some of the power and shame that was put onto them by other people. Just do that. Like, do that. But don't bring everybody down or don't um, present it as some kind of like human rights, social justice mission. 
just say you have thoughts and that you'd like to share them comfortably without backlash and you'd like support because you don't know what it feels like to stand on your own two feet alone and stand up for something. Like, it's all very lazy. Yeah, it is. When I worked in digital media for a long time, I remember there was a period that we would have young women writers coming through who stopped wanting to write their opinions because Mm -hmm. the idea of putting their opinion out on the internet with their name underneath it was too much. And even if they really strongly felt something, it was a genuine fear at work, a genuine fear of being asked to write about something that you genuinely thought. Mm. I think it goes both ways though, because I feel like for the longest time, we haven't been made very accountable for what we believe in. We've Mm. just been allowed to believe what we have or believe what we do. And it's not been questioned because we didn't have environments that facilitated discussion of thoughts and belief systems. So I also feel like there was a realization from people that perhaps I don't feel as strongly as I do about certain topics, or this is the reality of what it is to feel something greatly go forth. It's going to be difficult. People don't have to agree with you. People are also entitled to share that they disagree with you or that they agree with you. And the sooner we create an environment to facilitate actual discussion that's not rooted in the fear of expressing an opinion, the further along we get to places. We're all grown-ups. It is uh, perfectly acceptable for us to hold different and diverging opinions and sometimes Mm -hmm. to hold multiple thoughts in our heads that sometimes feel a little bit contradictory as well. That is perfectly reasonable um, Mm -hmm. and is a human, human trait. Tell me about your philosophy of big enjoyment and where that comes from? (laughs) Um, Big enjoyment, it definitely is a cultural thing first. It's not even a phrase I coined. It's very much a West African phrase. Big enjoyment is to enjoy, it's to indulge, it's to laugh, it's to dance, it's to just have a good time above all else. Um, And though that can't really translate in the society we live in currently, um, the cornerstones of that mentality really gets me through most situations. It's reminding myself I don't have to feel down, sad, angry, volatile, upset because people around me would like that response and would like that attitude. And I think it's also a reminder to people, especially when I tell them I'm doing big enjoyment, is to like leave me in this bubble of happiness and security because it's hard enough to feel anything good these days. So if I'm actively trying really hard, get away from me if you're not about it. And also I feel as though a lot of people, not a lot, a few people have been like, this is toxic positivity. I'm like, no, I'm entitled to feel good. I just want it maybe a little bit more than the average person does. (laughs) So I'm reminding those around me that like, if you're infringing on that, you've got to go. 2021, I've been very happy with the block button. I just don't, it only occurred to me that I could just block people, that I could just silence. Stop them talking to you. (laughs) I can be a tyrant if I want to, but no, seriously, I felt um, like it's like having this epiphany that, So like long story short, I always have nightmares, right? I'm just like always fighting people in my sleep, always overcoming. And I came to this conclusion that like, what is this mentality I have that I feel as though I have to do the hard thing Mm. to prove that I'm worthy of the good things that happen? I was like, no, babes. So now I'm recognizing that like, I know I'm capable of having a hard discussion. I know I'm capable of you know, diffusing a troll. I know I'm capable of um, inviting adverse opinions, but I don't have to. So we'll just block, delete, unfollow, scroll. I can do so much to curate a happier environment that I wasn't even taking accountability for. It's so powerful. Yeah, I had 
an experience about five years ago where a lot of people on social media decided to hate me after something I said on television. Mm. And after it becoming really intense, like call the police kind of intense, my husband just took over my social media, not the posting, but the deleting (laughs) and the blocking. And I commented to him the other day, you know, I think things have changed. Like, you know, the internet's become a kinder place. And he just looked at me and was like, nah, babe, I just screen everything. You just don't know about it, which is awesome. I don't want to. And you don't have to. We It's the this struggle mentality of like, you, just so you know, I'm strong and I can handle anything. I don't want to be strong anymore. No, I'm a soft baby platypus, you know. Yes. I'm in a shell. <laughs> it could crack. <laughs> How was 2020 for you? Did it either rob you or threaten to rob you of some of that big enjoyment? In really superficial ways, sure. You know, like, I can travel. Ah. 2020 was a big time for thinking. And if anyone knows me, I stay in my head anyway. Like I'm just, it's a whole nother world up here. And I think the hardest thing uh, that I found that most people found was this actual feeling like you didn't have control over your life. And some people have that feeling every other day. But I always say I've lived quite a charmed life, um, like in my adulthood. I've done things that most people can't. I've done things that I didn't set myself up to. So I feel like for a little while there, I was feeling quite invincible. I really had the mentality of I can do whatever I want because I want to and nothing can stop me. And for a second there, that was true. And then come pandemic, well, I couldn't do... 80% of the the things I wanted to do. And it started to dawn on me that like, this could be our reality in perpetuity, just forever and ever and ever being subject to um, the powers that be in not the best way. And so I really had to come to terms with, you know, what is my life when I have to follow order and I have to follow a structure that's not in my benefit and doesn't matter if I like it or don't like it. And that to me was like, whoa, I... I just thought I had far more control. I thought I had far more uh, free will, as as one would say. Uh, But I don't. So I think that's made me a little bit more... mm, Passive is not the word, but it's made me just like skirt break. And so I feel like these days I have less of a capacity to work super hard because I'm like, well, we've got how many more years of life left? We're going to be here for a minute. I don't have the capacity to do um, things I don't want to at the rate that I would have done them before. I was living my life out of obligation just to everyone and everything. Lillian, you are a wonder. Thank you for giving us so much of your precious time, of your ideas, of your thoughts, and for answering so many of my questions, both good and bad. My pleasure. I love a good chit-chat. This was a great discussion. All right, folks, your first task after that roller coaster of an interview is to follow Flex Mommy on Instagram and TikTok to get a healthy dose of her goodness in your life. Up next, The Weekend List with Tate McGregor. So do not go away. Welcome back to The Weekend List and welcome to Tate McGregor, who I think is going to kick us off with a podcast by someone we've just become acquainted with. (laughs) I have to recommend a Flex Mommy podcast. She has a bunch out there, but I'm specifically going to talk about Bobo and Flex. This is one of her original podcasts that she started a couple years ago. It even has a dedicated Facebook group you can join so you can discuss the podcast with other listeners. 
But basically, Bobo and Flex are on a quest to, as they describe it, decolonize our minds, intersect our feminism, but most importantly, give us all the tools necessary to stay away from problematic boys. So there's a lot of conversation about, you know, sex relationships and looking deeper into what are red flags? What are pink flags? If you didn't know what that is. But there are also episodes titled, What is Cheating? What happens to us when we die? Is it ethical to lie to kids? Um, So if you're really into her in-depth analysis and conversation. This is just a whole series based around that. And also Bobo's based in New York City. So it's a cross-continental podcast, which I love. Absolutely awesome. And as someone who regularly lies to their kid, I am getting it in my my ears super soon to give you another podcast, everyone, that is a little bit of a change of pace. I want to recommend the Imperfects podcast, which is part of the Resilience Project. So teaming up with one of Australia's most successful comedians, Ryan Shelton, and his brother, Josh Van Seilenberg. Hugh Van Seilenberg, who is the founder of the Resilience Project, has put together a podcast, which is all about how imperfect we all are. He talks about how a lot of us constantly compare ourselves to others. He talks about how the fact that it's really exhausting and really stressful as well as harmful. And together the crew share their struggles. They sort of talk about what success means to different people. They understand what some of the most famous and influential Australians are battling behind the scenes. Like it's got some radical honesty in it. I've heard these blokes say things that I've thought and I know some of my dearest friends and family have thought but that I don't think any of us would have had the guts to say publicly. And it is a really lovely, lovely listen. Authentic, genuine connection comes Mm. from being vulnerable. And we've seen that all the way through this podcast. Oh, yeah. You know, anyone who has the courage to share their story, the feedback we get from them is that they've just been inundated with love and and empathy and support from people who listen and, and from their loved ones as well. I have tuned into this podcast before and it's reinvigorating just to know that people that you look up to have similar thoughts. And also it's nice to hear kind of males having this dialogue. Yes, men never talk about Mm. this stuff. So bravo to both those podcasts, two women and two blokes talking about some really important stuff. Tate, have you got something that's not a podcast for us? (laughs) Yes. Okay, Jamila, I went out this week and bought a pie maker from Kmart. (laughs) You might think, okay... Kmart pie maker, not a good thing. It's phenomenal. I love it. And now I'm I'm in a pie mood. It's getting colder Mm. and Mm. I want pie recipes. I uh, made a chicken and leek mushroom pie um, as my first pie in the pie maker. But I'm on the hunt for some more. I want to expand my pie repertoire. So guys, if you have any pie recipes, this is a shout out to you. Please hit us up in our DMs on Instagram at The Briefing Podcast and send me what you're eating and if you have any pie maker tips, what are you doing with your pie maker? Maybe you're making something else in there. Yeah, as it gets colder, I think we're getting into pie time. I love this, Tate, but I have to say, just be careful. Be cautious. <laughs> Do not fly too close to the sun. Uh, when I was about 25, I lived in a share house with some mates and the pie maker entered our lives. And it was a brief time of extreme happiness followed by a brief time of extreme, extreme sadness. Thinking, so just watch yourself. Just watch yourself. Am I going to start making pyritos, like a burrito in a pie? Or oh, like... amazing. You can make macaroni pies. Oh. We made a pie pie where we just made pies and put it inside another pie. It just it went too far. 
<laughs> I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Um, Jamila, what else have you been consuming? My husband and I, for the first time in quite a while, have found something that we can watch together. We had gotten into a really gross habit of watching stuff separately because we could not agree. But we have both rushed through Lupin, which is a French mystery thriller uh, that you can stream on Netflix at the moment. There are 10 episodes. uh, Five have already been released and five are coming kind of in the middle of 2021. The story follows a professional robber dude called Asan Diop and he is the only son of a a Senegalese immigrant and he's come to France. So it's all subtitled or you can watch it dubbed in English. He's come to France to kind of find a better life for his kid, but then Asan's father is framed for the theft of a very expensive diamond necklace. And then it gets like proper, like cool heist kind of stuff, like where you're like, how on earth did he pull that off? And it's so good and it's super watchable and quite fun. Um, despite the fact this guy is clearly like, you know, committing a lot of crimes. <laughs> I love that. Oh, we froth a cool rubber dude, as you call him. <laughs> And if they're French, it just somehow seems more socially acceptable, which is not true. Don't be thieves, everybody. I think we are well-timed to leave you now when I am encouraging you not to break the law, though you really shouldn't. Uh, We would love you, if you are looking for something to do, to send us your recommendations. Tell us what you are reading, what you are watching, what you are listening to that you would love other weekend briefers to know about. You can hit us up on all the social medias at The Briefing Podcast. And, of course, to make sure that you never miss an episode, you should subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to The Briefing and The Weekend Briefing. We would love to have you every week. Listener.